Hi and welcome. My name is Ali Hart and I am the host of this podcast and you're listening and watching How to Build a Creative Business in a Noisy World. I really hope you enjoy the episode. Today you're listening to another part of the Hindsight series and I have Cloda Rice with me. Hi Cloda. Hi Ali. So uh, we're going to talk all things, well I'll let you introduce yourself, that's been the lovely part of this, is um, Cloda has actually interviewed me a couple of times for the TV things I think, but um, she'll have a lot more story to tell than just um, a little bit about me and being an artist and how, I think it was coronavirus was one of them, I was at the start of all of this, but um, anyway, so it's lovely to have her here today and we're going to talk all things just about how people in the creative industry who are making waves have got to where they are at the minute and a little bit about them and how they work, well how they deal with fear, so hi Cloda. Hi Ali, how are you? Good. Could you summarize then? Do you want to tell us what it is you do if you had one line to do so? Yeah, so I'm the business correspondent at the BBC. Um, so I speak to a whole range of different businesses every day about kind of the challenges and changes in consumer behavior, lots of different things. Brexit was a big one. And now the pandemic, that was obviously how I first met you. Um, because I was actually thinking that's almost exactly a year ago because I think the story at the time was around being self-employed which is one of the big challenges of working in the creative industries is that you don't have the same support Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we had interviewed you uh, just whenever furlough had been announced but there wasn't an equivalent for self-employed people yet and I had spoken to a musician and a whole and a photographer you know a whole range of um, people working in the creative industries just about how the fact that they felt that they had been you know left out now we know that thankfully since then there has been more support measures put in place but yeah I think even I remember driving to your house which would only have been a short journey and because the way we work we've had to change everything for social think, distancing yeah everyone was coming separately and then we all yeah. stand outside the studio so, over. yeah which is very odd you know with a giant mic pole and you know yeah. even the fact that I can't be in the car with the camera crew means that I can't be on my phone because I'm driving and so I have been I think that was the really crazy like peak anxious week last year because furlough a lot of people were just thinking like if I'm closed for this foreseeable I'll have to lay people off and I think even in the short journey to your house I had had various missed calls and emails about you know 800 more job losses the chancellor had announced another loan uh, bounce back loan scheme and people are ringing me saying you know can we get your analysis on this and I'm going I was driving the car like I yeah. haven't I haven't heard any of it so I think that that's been a big challenge of how to try and work and how the pandemic has made my job that bit harder because news is so fast like there's never been more news but the way in which we gather news is so much slower yeah, so, and I, I, you haven't really mentioned about you. You know, you're saying about your bit, a bit of the go-to, and about news being one part of it. Twitter, you're very active on, and you're right. People, once news breaks, we kind of look to Cloda in Northern <laughs> Ireland in the business sector to hear what the facts are because you're very good at getting the facts out. So I guess well, I think do you know there's it's funny because I mean social media. You know, I was on Twitter long before the pandemic. It is part of the job, but there's never been such a kind of need for information whenever people are literally waiting on a press conference to find out if they can go to work tomorrow or, you know, what support there's going to be for them. So you get, and anytime I tweet anything, 
all the replies are just, you know, well, what about me? What about this industry? What about, you know, if you tweet about one sector, there's five others who will reply and say, ask them about me, you know? Uh, and I think that that has actually, um, it's been really useful in that, you know, people do need information. Even I've had some very positive feedback from people saying it was your, you tweeted saying there was a grant and I was able to apply for it. And I just got a couple of, you know, and I got money to help me pay my bills, you know? So I think that, it, like the pandemic has been so weird and that that has been for for some people how they get their information like really important stuff yeah. you know it's not just kind of funny cat memes anymore even though I, I mean I'm totally I'm so here for them as well well yeah too although they're actually a recent lockdown edition as well okay. which is funny because I used to hate cats <laughs> There we, well you definitely don't hear cats yeah now. I know and now I've gone like a total 180 I'm a crazy cat lady but yeah so hopefully they won't make an appearance but it's okay and yeah. Kate Conway one of hers was like on the keyboard at one stage <laughs> we're recording these at home so can you tell us then a little bit about your background or how you got to become uh, the business correspondent at the BBC what way BBC and I what way that journey started yeah, well, I think, I mean, as I'm sure you can relate to, you know, one of the challenges of working in an industry a bit different is that there isn't a set path, you know, yeah. and that can be really frustrating for some people because you kind of want to, you know, do your exams, you know, maybe go to university or do a course. And I mean, I'm quite an impatient person, which is a very unattractive quality, but it means that, you know, you do want, you want to go straight out into a job and you see all your peers doing that, whether it's on like a grad scheme or, you know, various different courses and for journalism there isn't that same path I mean there's lots of opportunities out there but there's no one right way so that's why you know I can talk about my way but I mean loads of people do it differently I mean I was actually always told it's maybe quite an old, an old school way to think of it now but people had said you know you don't study journalism like you're born a journalist because they were saying like it's not a profession it's more like a trade so there would be people who would be naturally more inclined to do it um, but then, so at school then, did you study, what were your A-levels then? Um, I actually did uh, economics, French, English and maths, which was wow. like the weirdest ones ever. Because, you know, typically people don't do English and maths. I was actually only one of two people and the other one in my year was my best friend. Right. So I think that, you know, it's funny because I was always told, you know, you don't have to study media studies to have a job in the media. It's quite a, like, I think whenever you're younger, you think, whatever the word is in my course is what I will have to go on to be but you can obviously bring experience from anything yeah. and so I mean I you know I had looked at you know dropping out of school to study media I had looked at various different courses and options available to me and um, but people had said look you know you can try and kind of get into journalism <clears throat> excuse me like on the side yeah. so they said look just study something you're interested in um, and I was interested in economics and it's funny now I think that has totally helped me in journalism because I now work, you know, I'm the business correspondent now. Before that, I was a business reporter. And because journalism is really competitive, particularly for general news, you know, a lot of people want to get into it. But it's funny, a lot of people would be really put off by numbers or, yes. you know, talking about financial markets and stuff. They're kind of just like, no, thank you. That's not for me. Um, so I think that actually did kind of help me in the long run, kind of because I had that little bit of a niche um, that maybe helped me, you know, with hindsight now, I can appreciate that that was actually worth doing. But it's funny, I mean, I, so I studied, I actually studied business in French. I went to Trinity in Dublin. 
I love it there yeah because actually I have a, a print of yours that was given to me years ago as a gift um, that's right and you'll recognize this I just finished this of the oh, company oh my goodness that's fab yeah so I mean I have such a soft spot for Trinity I had a I had a fab time there but you know it was obviously a lot of hard work I lived in Dublin for three years which was amazing um totally love Dublin and I did a year in Paris um which wow. sounds Sounds a lot more glamorous than it was. Um, it was it was pretty hard, you know, working going to like a business school in Paris when you're 21 and you don't speak perfect French. Well, you know, that but was that's the really best way to learn, isn't it? My mother-in-law spent a year there. I remember she was a nanny. She talked about, and uh, they always say the best way to learn is in the country, right? Well, it's funny. I mean, obviously, everyone in Paris speaks English. Maybe if you were somewhere more rural. Mm-hmm you would kind of be forced into it whereas I found and I mean certainly a couple of my friends who were there we would be trying to you know order a Diet Coke in French and they would just hand us an English menu and we're like oh right yeah oh no sorry we're pleased we're trying to learn and they're just looking at us being like no <laughs> here you're having the English menu um so I mean don't get me wrong like I totally loved the idea of Paris but it's funny because I did wonder you know maybe I would live there and work there and I did so I did a year at a business school there and then I had to do like a placement okay to, to write my dissertation on a company there so I worked in a water company but I mean you know I've never worked in a water company in English <laughs> so it was it was very specialist um but it's funny because again you know the the point of your series is hindsight and I think with the kind of benefit of hindsight now I I was very shy in France, which would make people here laugh because there's nothing shy about me yeah. in English. Um, but I think because I was so reluctant to make a mistake in French, that now whenever I'm asked to do things that people would find really daunting, you know, like hosting an event of hundreds of business people, I'm like, but sure, it's in English. Like I'm yeah. fluent in English. Yeah. I know all the words. So um, it kind of makes it a little bit less you know because I was totally out of my comfort zone there even doing things a little bit out of my comfort zone here you're like well it'll never be as hard <laughs> yeah it's really interesting. present Sorry. in a different language yeah um, it's really interesting you said because my husband is I, I did I studied a level French and we were out at a it was one of the Randox it was this cool big day event polo thing and we were sitting at a table and one of the people there was French and their partners uh, taught French. And Michael, uh, even though we had a few drinks, my Michael is, he would, people would say he's the quiet one of us. But when it comes to French, he doesn't know it as well as that, but he's more confident. So he always <laughs> says to me, like, you just go into your shell, which is not like me, as you would know. So I'm the same. He always says to me, like, no, I'm not as good at you at French, but I just don't care. Whereas I overthink it. Yeah, I yeah. understand what you're saying. Well, yeah. So I think, I mean, I was certainly that totally put me out of my comfort zone, but I think it also did make me more appreciate coming home. Yeah. So the only thing was, you know, I, I still wanted to be a journalist, but I had a business degree. And so then I was coming to the end of my studies in Dublin, haven't done the year in France and like applying for jobs in UTV, lots of different places, mm -hmm. BBC, and not even getting an interview because there are some qualifications that they would ask for. So there's things like like media law, which is like an NCTJ accredited so that I could go to a court case and I would know what bits I'm allowed to report or like shorthand, which is kind of like from back in the day, you know, trying to get your 100 yeah. words a minute. And so I wasn't hitting any of those, you know, I wasn't even getting close. 
um, basically. So, I mean, I've been trying to do like unpaid work and I worked in like student radio and papers and stuff, but, you know, I think the hard bit um, about trying to work in a creative industry, and I mean, I'm sure many different, you know, it wouldn't just apply to journalism, would be how to get it from kind of like an unpaid hobby that you enjoy mm -hmm. to someone will now pay you to do that as a job. Yeah. You know, in that I had done lots of kind of placements and internships in various different places. And people were willing to take you on in that capacity, but you're like, well, how do you get to the next step up? You know, so, I mean, I actually, I ended up, I, I did a master's in journalism okay. as a year in Coleraine. Um, so I lived in Port Stewart for a year, which was fab. Um, just, you know, because it's lovely being by the sea. Um, but again, I was trying to kind of, that was Monday to Thursday. And then I was trying to work for free. Friday, Saturday, Sunday in various different media organizations. And again, okay. I know that that's something that you're always told never to do. You know, as a creative, you're meant to value, you know, your worth is and your value. And it's all, it's a very sticky area. And I'm very fortunate that I was privileged enough to be able to live at home. And so I could work for free. Yeah. Um, which well, I you were working that, in the right line of work for free. So as in you were basically shadowing essentially, yes, or you yeah, were, exactly, you know, so that's shadowing. different from being like turning up at a restaurant and saying, you know, I'll work yeah. for free there. Yeah. So it so was kind of in your line of, in, in the industry that you wanted. So it's yeah. experience. And I think experience. a lot of, I think a lot of the time, <clears throat> especially in Northern Ireland, it can really help with networking and making contacts. So, you yeah. know, like if you, if you were shadowing one person and they brought you into court, you'd meet another person who would say, oh, well, I, you know, you can shadow me at the weekend or you can come in to us on a Friday. And um, so like some people like Barbara McCann, who used to work at, at that time, it was Cool FM that I started shadowing her at and Brendan Wright, who used to work at RT. They were so good to me because they yeah. said like, just come in, you know, yeah. and like Martina Purdy, that was the first time I was in the BBC because she let me in just to shadow her. Um, but it's only from doing all that shadowing, then, you know, I was still applying for jobs and still getting nowhere with a master's. And you think Hard. like, I've now got two degrees. I'm not making any money like I can't do this forever but I think I sort of just told myself like try and do it for a while but yeah. it is you know being self-employed you will get the odd freelance shifts and obviously you can never turn them down because yeah. you're so worried that you might not then get them again True. because there's 10 people behind me who if I say no would do it and mm -hmm. um, so I mean after so I did the master's and then I was kind of freelance for a while and um, and basically would do any shifts I was given anywhere you know like I did um probably the place I worked most was City Beat um which I loved um and I know that you had uh Eobon as well yeah. who I used to work with it's a radio station yeah in your yeah and um, so that was probably like my, the first call I got from there to do a paid shift was actually a girl who I then went on to work with at BBC called me and said, it was, a, it was in the middle of my master's exams. Like I hadn't finished or anything and I should yeah. have been studying. And she was like, look, um, would you be able to do, a, it would be a paid reporter shift. And I'm already thinking, yes, regardless of what it is. <laughs> yeah. But it was because their reporter, Tony Rice was off on annual leave and Obama was coming to Belfast. Do you oh, remember? My, yeah, my Michael got to go. I'm talking a lot about him, but the the, <laughs> the waterfront, and yeah. he got to go with his school, and yeah, it was Obama. class. That's so that great. was literally like my first paid shift, and I remember thinking, like, this is like I have yeah. paid. <laughs> yes, you got like a little White House pass, and like the people who I was sat alongside, like it was literally my kind Brilliant. of, you know, I was kind of beside like 
political correspondents and like Stephen Nolan in the corner and you're just like this is crazy like how, how have I managed to get this um so it was great and I mean I did get a lot of opportunities like I because I and I did work hard to get them you know you yeah. had to do a lot of kind of unpaid very unglamorous things but then every so often something like that would come along and you would think right I am moving in the right direction you know they they were willing to give me a paid shift so um that then makes you think it is worthwhile but it was it was similarly tough in that you know at that kind of age like a lot of my friends so how old were you then I mean I was probably like 23 which okay. is funny now like I mean I know yeah. I'm like oh I was so young but at that time you know a lot of my friends were like living in New York or working in mm. London or Brussels and some of them were engaged and I and I was still living at home you know like working, away at your yeah like work, posts, working yeah. maybe like three jobs working the weekends and still not making enough to even have to pay yeah. tax do you know like it was just kind of thinking like how long will I keep doing you know because there's also like you still want to have a social life like I still wanted to move out and I wanted to be able to afford to do things and you're sort of thinking like how long do I leave this yeah well just yesterday I posted about um it was on LinkedIn actually I shared I was doing I was on a panel yesterday about social media for your business and how I was 25 and I had a, a child and I had no career and I'd finished my degree and my master's and I looked at everybody still popping Prosecco on nights out. And I did, I like, I did. And the same thing. I didn't even have my student. Like, I got so far out of my student loan because I wasn't paying any taxes because the business was so small for so long that I nearly got to the point, you know, if you like get to a point where they just basically drop it. Right it off. So <laughs> I nearly got to that stage. I'm still paying it off now, I think, but I, it, it was, um, as you say, looking back now, it's fine. But at the time, it's kind of devastating seeing everybody and thinking everybody's thriving and I'm still yeah, flapping. And well, so I get some of what you're saying. In that I mean, I do well. think that that is probably, you know, why you have to really want it yeah. as well. And that you have to be willing to kind of think, right, well, I won't, I can't afford to move out for a while anyway. Or because mm-hmm. I actually remember talking to two of my very kind of successful high flying friends, like all my friends are um, you know would make you totally jealous except they're also nice and um, I remember saying to them you know I just feel like you've all taken like two steps forward and I've taken two steps back mm-hmm. and they were so sweet about it they sort of said well like first because I had said look I just totally wasted my time going to uni like if I'd started off trying to get a job mm-hmm. whenever I was 16 I could work my way up by now and they were like but then you would never have met us do you know and they were like and you you know they were kind of saying like you find a job that you like so much yeah. you're willing to do it for free whereas they would have been on maybe like big bucks but not necessarily loving what they were doing yes and mm-hmm. even now I look and think oh, all those yeah same thing people who were going straight into jobs whereas now I'm the beauty about being in creative business was well, certainly me with running my own business is I have the potential and at the minute it's going up yeah. whereas like they can kind of peak you know and, and everything's different and everyone is different um and I think it's good to appreciate that path isn't straightforward but you wouldn't change it now would you no but it's funny like, because I think I was so I was just dying for a job and at that yeah. time I was kind of thinking I will just take any job and then I will try and be a journalist like as a side project yeah and it was only that kind of the people who were around me at that time were saying like no <laughs> you're going to quit a job and also once you get used to a salary and you do move out and have bills Mm -hmm. it's very hard then to quit all that and swap all that to go you know back down to zero again and 
so no I like I wouldn't change it for the world but I am very fortunate that then I did so about like between six and seven years ago then I did get into the BBC um, starting off on you know one day a week again it wasn't it wasn't particularly glamorous which is funny because my parents were like oh our daughter's in the BBC we can retire <laughs> you know like how much money do they give you to spend on makeup and clothes and I was like well actually I only have one shift every week yeah um so we need to just manage our expectations here <laughs> um but yeah like actually like quite early into the BBC then I think the business thing did help because the business reporter left so that would have been um, my like first permanent job, which was you got up at half four every day to do the breakfast news. Okay. Breakfast, it was still business news, but it was on Good Morning Ulster, which is the kind of flagship breakfast program on Radio Ulster. And um, I absolutely loved that because radio was kind of my background anyway. Yeah. Um, and so and business was kind of, you know, what I was interested in, but also like working on a live program, you know, there's whenever things are breaking, you know, whenever the market's open and stuff like that, well, that was really exciting. Um, but I mean, getting up at half four every day really? and putting your and trying to do your hair and makeup so that you're in halfway presentable just in yeah. case, you know, that that was really tough. But I mean, I loved it. Like I did so that, that was for, how many days a week was that? That was, your... that was, yeah, well, technically that role was four days a week, but okay. as with a lot of jobs, you know, it, like it was, it was 40 hours, but you could still be asked to do weekends and stuff. Yeah. And I think especially whenever you're first kind of starting out, I would have done any shifts, you know, if they asked me to jump off the roof, <laughs> I would probably have done it just because <laughs> you're kind of thinking like, I don't know what I necessarily want to do yet. I want to try everything and anything. Yeah. And um. And so I did so that. Would you say you're a keen person then? <laughs> Whenever you like something, I am. I am like you're a so, go-getter. <laughs> I'm so embarrassingly keen. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm a keen bee. Quality, yeah. Um, well, it's funny because like saying that you know I, I don't want to sound too keen either and that whenever the alarm goes off at half four like there's really only so much keen you need to be <laughs> a certain amount of keen to even just get out of bed at that time yeah exactly um so I mean I so like I love like that job was really interesting I did it for like five years um wow. and like I learned so much like I got to do so much during that time um but it is funny in that working antisocial hours just they do have a big impact even on your personal life and mm -hmm. on your own life do you know like napping yeah. <laughs> you know if you're absolutely wrecked all the time because you're not sleeping a lot um so like and I, I was living on my own um for the majority of that time which suited me because I could nap if I wanted and you know mm -hmm. if I wanted to have cereal for dinner there was nobody I needed to worry about but I mean I do think like you know people who work in kind of anti-social creative industries with a full family to yeah. you know if I then had to go home and start bathing kids and stuff you know like I don't know how so like it was it was perfect for that time yeah in that you know work was my priority and still very much is um but I do think that you know there's kind of challenges with the industry as well that aren't really talked about you know yeah. that you kind of think like it's a great job and I love it but it would have a big impact you know, if I was trying to raise a young family or something, that would just, 
But I guess everything is seasonal, isn't it? You know, um, whenever you look into anything in the creative space or any job in life in general, like it's seasonal. So I guess, are you, are you saying now it's changed now? Where, where are you? So, well, the kind of the business correspondent role is, you know, it's it's a lot of the same content that I would be providing, but it's more for tea time telly rather yeah. than breakfast radio. So, I mean, technically we all work across all outputs. So, you know, okay. like I, st- I still did some telly when I worked in radio I still do radio now that I work in telly. Yeah. It's just sort of what team you're kind of predominantly part of. So technically now my hours are meant to be kind of nine to five. Now, obviously okay. no news works like that. I mean, no. I still I still get up early to do breakfast radio and I still work after five for tea, tea time telly. Um, but the shift has very much changed, you know, is towards a more sociable time of the day. Yeah. Um, and tell me then, how do you, I remember you were talking about the obsessed I, and Kate Conway as well about and then also um Emma Blaine who is actually out now, out now she's a journalism as well do you a journalist do you how do you deal with that like not knowing if it's tv or radio is that something like what how does that play out in your mind or are you just like this is camera on on we go what way does it work well for you? um it's funny because you kind of have to be ready for anything which okay is- it's different for a woman, I have to say, you know, from a purely vain point of view, mm-hmm. if you were doing something for radio, you'd be less worried about the state of your hair and makeup. Yeah. Whereas if you know you're doing it for telly, you need to be ready. So, I mean, technically I like, and there was a lot of days in radio when I did work for telly. And so you did, you know, you got used to having different coats or heels in your car and bringing loads of makeup in because there was days if a story breaks and you're sent out in the rain and you know like I have kind of curly hair yeah same yeah. and then you run in to do your lunchtime live and your hair is a state you know yeah. and nobody's listening to anything you're saying because they're all just going look at that girl's hair like <laughs> you think she'd have brushed it and and I remember like and you get it all you know especially on social media I still get stuff now even though because I'm now more likely to be on telly every day I do have to try and put more emphasis on kind of appearance because that is what people comment on on social media you know whether it's your your hair or your clothes or your face social media know. is brutal isn't it everyone has a voice now it's just yeah and I mean, on that? How, obviously you're saying it started to tool for you with work and it's a very valuable tool but um even I see because you know the way you see some of the things that people comment on um yeah I saw someone commented recently actually in yours about a coffee cup um but the point is we can't use reusable coffee cups at the minute. And I had started the tweet to reply and then I thought, nah, I'm just going to leave that. Um, well, it's funny. You know, I just, think- you're very good at just leaving things. Whereas I, I, and yeah, I think I sort of, the pandemic has definitely made social media a more challenging place, you know, whether it's demanding for the right reasons because people need information and it's my job to give it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but also for the wrong reasons where people are maybe sat at home, they have more spare time and, especially if they have the news on all the time, you know, I mean, I I've had a very negative experience of social media this year. Like, I'm not going to lie. I obviously, I still use Twitter. I have to, it's my job, Mm -hmm. but I don't love it anymore. I've totally fallen out of love with it. And which is a bit sad, but because I I like that it's news from the source and that was what I wanted to be, you know, like, that's why it's so sweet that you said, like, if you want to find out what's going on, you would go and look for mine because that was kind of what you wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. But similarly, there is a lot of there's a lot of grief and you know particularly this year me and my friends my colleagues have had it had a horrible time yeah it has made me kind of step back in that I do tweet 
but not in the way I used to engage you know I wouldn't I wouldn't really reply to people the same way now and I would also be quite private in terms of things like you know I would never share anything on social media about my family which is funny Mm -hmm. because we just had Mother's Day and everybody is you know and paying tribute to their mother and it's not as if I wouldn't want to pay one to mine but I just think you know I get I can get some grief online and I don't want to subject other people to that you yeah, know so yeah I sort of think like my parents are kind of you know they're private people with their own lives that's totally off limits um and so I think that's made me just think twice about what I would share you know like I, I share stupid cat photos because like they're cats you know and it's a nice it's but, we were talking yesterday Caroline and Neil sorry to interrupt you was we were talking about people saying you know for business social media is so good for business and it's free right it's a free tool but um you know I was actually joking with a friend yesterday who started a business and I said, yeah, everybody makes fun of Ali until they need to use social media and then <laughs> they become active on it. But I always say to them, like, I share exactly what I want to. Like my big boys, you don't see their faces. You don't like, yeah, uh, yeah. you can choose. As, so that's why I think it's nice seeing the cats and the funny things. It's like, it's enough of Clodagh to keep like the human aspect there yeah. and the, the comedy. But well, I was just going to, to, respond to what you'd said there and say so I had one um I put up a blog post about having coronavirus when I when I had coronavirus and it was about how I um how I, li- I liked having showers <laughs> because I had these long showers and my body was frail and I never really like thought of the water on my butt like coronavirus was absolutely brutal mm-hmm. and I made this blog post didn't think I would post it, shared it about six weeks after I'd had coronavirus. And then the press caught up with it because it was on social. So I was like, yeah, of course, like I'll definitely do anything. So I had these, um, this uh, press company interview me in the garden. And then it was kind of picked up by like the Scottish news, 24 hour news and all these things. So there was a big reach on it. But the comments were absolutely brutal and I never expected that. But what I learned from that, and I imagine is, I I have no idea what it is like to be you or any of your colleagues, but I remember whenever um, it was Sarah. Garvin. Yeah, was that here? Yeah, because I saw that piece, yeah. And the grief that, you know, and I was really reluctant to do that piece with her as well, but only I think she's brilliant. I was like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) And we had a crying part and I was like, can you take it out? And then anyway, she did, we did, we didn't in the end because she was like, it was so, it was like, but anyway, my what I learned from that experience was it's actually not even anything to do with me. Like all of the brutal comments about me, it's about people's hate for coronavirus. So I would, I don't know any of what you go through, but I imagine with the facts that you're putting out, I can see the replies where people are like, well, what are we going to do about this? It's like, well, Clodagh doesn't know what's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, I think now kind of, especially 12 months in, like I've got a much thicker skin. I, uh, I, I expected now, you know, like I'm a big girl, I can take it. You just don't have to, it's just about not kind of engaging and not letting them kind of get in. But it's funny because obviously like I'm the business correspondent. So like as much as this is a health crisis and I would never detract from, you know, awful experiences like you've had people, you know, some people very close to me have lost loved ones. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm tweeting about the kind of economic crisis, which is also a really big story. And loads of people having an awful time, lost their job, can't pay their bills. I mean, like, you know, a guy walked up to me in the street and was like, how am I going to pay my electricity bill? And I'm just like, my heart is broken. I'm thinking like, like I can ask, you know, your supplier or like a guy who I was trying to help through social media who was homeless over Christmas. And you're trying to think like, so, 
clearly there are grants out there, but there's gaps and people yeah. are struggling. Um, so I think that there's a, a real like health versus wealth narrative that I don't appreciate because it's almost as if they think if you run a business, you don't care about people's livelihood or, you know, you don't care about people's health. And so if I, you know, regardless of what I tweeted, if I interview, you know, the owner of a beauty salon or the owner of a bar, the comments are just, you know, along the lines of, well, sure, as long as the BBC can get their nails done and get their pints yeah, in, yeah. you don't care about killing people. And I'm like, is that really what people think? Did you know? Well, I guess <laughs> the, only, like... the only comfort that you can take is that that is what I find with all anybody that I've spoken to who's in your job. Yeah. Also, it's like everybody's in the fire. I know. And I think especially because of the impact that this has had on everyone's mental health. Yeah. Yeah, everybody is just kind of you know tensions are heightened, anxiety is heightened, and people are just kind of lashing out. They sort of think, you know, why do you care about getting your nails done? And I'm like, well, I mean, okay, I would love to get my nails done, but aside from that, that <laughs> I can do your easy. nails for you, Claire. <laughs> you can see my lovely green nails here. I can. I would love green nails. <laughs> you know, my point was that you know it's not that's not the story. The story yeah. is the owner of the salon who's struggling to pay our bills. She's been closed for a month. She's got no information on when she can open. Do you know, it's yeah. still a valid story. It doesn't detract from the health story, which no. obviously takes priority, but yeah. it's just a different angle of it all. You know, well, I think there was thing. 500 comments on mine and my cousin's a scientist and she's been doing a lot with them. Um, the the vaccines and everything and she messaged said I'm so sorry I got caught up in the comments I said I didn't even read the comments like don't worry about it like people people just hate coronavirus but anyway forgetting about all of that then in terms of fear and I know we've touched a little bit in that and I know that you've um I don't know if you're well you're maybe on annual leave this week aren't you and it is St Patrick's Day so you might want to go and actually live a life and do something and um, paint your nails green or something like that <laughs> But uh, so talk, I was talking about fear and how people deal with fear. So that can be fear in front of the camera or fear of just, as you were saying, like being knocked back whenever you're applying for those jobs. What advice would you give to anybody listening? Well, I think, um, you know, even just those two examples that you gave, you know, like I still, I'm still afraid every day, which is like totally embarrassing. And that I thought it was just a like nerves. Whenever you're new starting out, you just get nervous because it's yeah. a lack of experience. But now I have enough experience and I'm still nervous all the time. But a colleague had put it to me that it's not nerves, it's adrenaline, yeah. you know, and it's how you, you choose to deal with that. So, I mean, you know, like if I had to do a TV live tonight, I would still get nervous, but that's yeah. just, you know, that's just normal because it's a live TV, you know, anything could go wrong Happen, or somebody yeah. can run in, you know, and so you're always fearful. Like if you're doing, like I did a live in the pub the day pubs opened and you're thinking, you know, what if somebody swears or runs yes. across and, yes. or breaches the, or, or, you know, like comes near me, we're trying to yes. stay, you know, trying to yeah. keep it a distance. And so, I mean, there's lots of things to be afraid of in my job. Um, but also, as you say, with rejection, you know, in that like there's loads of jobs I'd never got, you know, like I'm only talking to you about the one I did, yeah. you know, I applied for loads of jobs and never got an interview or I did interviews and didn't get the job. And so I think it is kind of just about how it's still something that I'm learning, but it is how to try and kind of use that fear in a way to think like, and again, like I'll use the silly comparison back to France, you know, like as scared as I would ever be here, I'm like, yeah you know all the words this yeah. is your native language yeah. so even if you like stumble you know it's not the end of the world now mm -hmm. I think it's probably and like the way you were saying about 
you don't like making mistakes in French the same way I didn't. I think it can be hard. You can, you're probably very hard on yourself the same way I would be if you do mm-hmm. make a mistake. But I think you also need to learn from people. You know, I have seen totally professional colleagues on, like with so much experience on telly, you know, like there was like a great example and now it comes to mind of like Mark Devonport, the former political editor. And he was doing a live outside Stormont and his microphone just blew onto the ground. And like, he didn't even... Like, apart from the fact that his face didn't flinch, <laughs> he just walked over and picked it up and kept talking about the political commentary of the day. Whereas that's the sort of thing that that's I would great. Think, yeah. Like, I would, like, even just <laughs> from a radio perspective, if you get nervous, I think it's easier to hide nerves in your voice. Yeah. From Tally, Tally, I was, you have- I've got such an expressive face that I can only imagine if my microphone blew over, my face would be like, oh, like what do, what do yeah. I do now? But, you know, you see things like that happen and it's not the end of the world. world you know, like, exactly, yeah. so that's what I think, you know, it's about trying to keep things in perspective. Like if that's what you're really afraid of and it's fine and it happens and it's fine, fine yeah. you know, you need to just realize that, you know, mistakes do happen. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. And not every not every day in your job is going to go perfectly as much as you would want it to. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes people love mistakes, which sounds yeah. silly. But, you know, if you ever... Like I remember going back to my city beat days, there was a day I was on with Stephen Clements mm-hmm. and all the computers broke. Like all, I can't, I can't remember what had happened, but basically like I couldn't read the news. He couldn't play any songs. There was no CDs in the office, even though there used to be like a big stack, like in cases of emergencies. And it was literally just the two of us being like, no, no. <laughs> what will we talk about and he was even trying to say like oh so are you gonna because he called me load of rice and he's like are you gonna give us a song and I'm looking at him (laughs) I mean the actual fear of thinking like am I going like what else are we gonna do for the next 30 minutes um but people love that people were ringing we got so many calls and tweets and you know messages of people saying like I'm late for work. I can't get out of the car because I'm, listening. I'm dying to see how long you guys have to do this for. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that, you know, if that's the worst case scenario and things do like, because I would always worry about technology failing and stuff, yeah. but it's not the end of the world, do you know? Yeah. And like, and even, and similarly with the rejection point about jobs, like, you know, I was rejected from loads of jobs and I was devastated. You know, I try, I'd applied for a job at the BBC in Scotland that I didn't get. I didn't get several times. You know, I'd also applied here and didn't even get a job interview. Um, but then part of me thinks, you know, if I got one of those, you I might not have got this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so you sort of think that, you know, it might feel like it's the end of the world at the time yeah. and that nothing will ever, you know, but it's about trying to kind of pick yourself up and dust yourself off and realizing that, you know, nobody gets anywhere first yeah. time round. Well, we yeah. had, uh, um, I had a, a Christmas party and I limited it to like 20 people and it was the highest like ticket price that I'd charged before. And I got dressed like Christmas party and I was so excited. It Aww. was like, I kind of like, you know, like target audience had bought the tickets. It took us like nearly 35 minutes because Sharon and I, my PA, had mixed up the code. So we'd sent oh, out two no. different codes. So it was one of those things where like I was trying to be the humorous one. I could see she was like rising, but then she's so <laughs> professional. She basically in the end was like, I'm just cutting you off for everyone we're going. And then we had to start it again. And oh. now 
friends of mine are like they always use the example that because I brought on some of my friends in the end to that because that's what you can do when you have a self-employed um <clears throat> two of them recently have said do you remember that time it was really bad at Christmas well it wasn't as bad as that but you know I had technical difficulties and I'm like thanks I'm really glad that you you know you know I think that you know but that, it's still, the party of- still went on and that's also how you learn, you know, and yeah. that you probably learned from that to think, right, so I need to, you know, make more sure about codes or whatever, you know. Yeah. And that you I need to of... let Sharon take control of it. <laughs> but yeah, so it's all kind of a learning experience. Like, it, yeah. obviously, everybody has scary bits and everybody gets rejected and has really awful days. But, it you know, it's about... very colorful, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> do you have, um, are you reading anything at the minute, any books? Well, it's funny, I'm actually not, and I used to love reading. I don't know if I could blame kind of the pandemic that I have no kind of concentration span, or yeah. if it's probably the fact that I'm now kind of addicted to my phone as well. We Doesn't are, really yeah. help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't been very good at like switching off, you know, Do you ever probably read or listen to audiobooks or podcasts. Um, I would listen to yeah, podcasts the odd time, but again, I think it's funny because a large part of that is my job. Like if I'm yes, reading I'm kind of reading news online or if I'm listening to podcasts I'm listening to business news because like that's kind of what I need to be across but I still enjoy it you know it's still like I would listen to interesting ones but it's just funny for me I think because I associated so much more with work it's maybe less of kind of a leisure thing you know um in that I do like I, I listen to some podcasts that friends had recommended trying to like kind of switch off but then I think a lot a, a big challenge of working in news is that kind of FOMO you know it's like mm-hmm. that fear of missing mm-hmm. out so if you're trying to like listen to a podcast or read a book or whatever and you know so many so many stories have broken Probably, in that time yeah. that I kind of need to be across you're sort of thinking oh you know like I don't know if that's like a, a totally frivolous waste of my time but I mean yeah. saying that obviously everybody gets time to switch off and, and you want self-care so you're off this week are you doing anything nice well, I was actually, I'm back in work today. Oh, right. But, okay. Um, I was off Monday, Tuesday, because it was actually my birthday on Monday. Ah, um, belated happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, 31, hardly wildly exciting. Well, but it's, it's, but it's funny. Your was your 30th just at the start of lockdown last year then? Yeah. And so I had a big party that I had to cancel, but it was funny because it was that awkward week. Do you remember, like, the Republic was in lockdown. So, like, my Dublin friends yes. were, like... Of freaking course, out we're not my up, family down there with the same yeah yeah but like my friends and my family and stuff who were flying over from GB were like can't wait for Saturday and I was going like I I was just so, because then I'm thinking well if they paid for flights I can't cancel it yeah but and then I also had some like relatives and friends who were because people were some people were still traveling mm-hmm. they were kind of saying well I don't know if I would feel safe going to your party and so you're then trying to work out so I actually I ended up I canceled it and um, okay. But I was so relieved when I did because I just thought like no party is worth it, you know. Yeah. But then by I was only a couple of days early because then by the time we got to the actual party, I think we would have been in a lockdown. Yeah. Anyway, wow. but it's funny because yeah. I remember joking to the pub owner being like, Oh, don't worry, sure, I'll see you for my 31st. Like as if that and would be a ridiculous so. thing. <laughs> and I saw him last week whenever I was out uh filming something and was like well you know <laughs> oh like god knows what he jumped yeah. did you just do a walk on your birthday yeah did you have a, yeah, I had a really <laughs> really really exciting walk yesterday um thank goodness it was sunny because sure that's all you can do but you know I what did. I actually had a lovely day in lockdown because I had a few people deliver like treats to the doorstep oh I love that um, I had some nice food and some nice drinks 
and okay do you know what like it sounds cheesy but I still had a lovely day and it just made me think you know even just kind of switching off for a couple of days regardless of the fact you can't go anywhere it was still just just nice to be off Good. Well, as we finish up there, it's it's really nice as well to see that I I'm, I think you're quite a positive person. Um, are <laughs> you? Do you want to finish up on that? Have you any like insight of how? Like, do you meditate? Do you? That's like, so what funny. Would you, or is that just your natural like state of play? Like, even though you're talking about you know getting a hard time on social, whatever, you still have this positive spin on it and a like lockdown positive spin. Is that just your nature? Well, uh, no, I would actually say I'm probably the opposite in that compare. I'm such a worrier that especially compared to a lot of my friends, you know, they're kind of saying good news about this, good news about this, like in terms of kind of being hopeful for the future. And I'm very much, you know, like I was joking that I felt like the Eeyore of our WhatsApp group because, you know, (laughs) they're all talking about like booking holidays and stuff. And I'm like... I don't know if I should go for a walk on Tuesday you know what if, like how many miles away is Crawfordsburn you know and so I think that I would like to think that aside from the pandemic I would have been a positive person but I just think that that has made everything even even being a positive person has been so much more challenging yeah. this year yeah but no I do think that you know if I were to take a positive out of it it's that it has given you a bit more perspective and about slowing down and even just from work you know Mm -hmm. kind of trying to have that time that you do switch off because I think it's very easy to get you know addicted to social media and news and even there's even days that I have to be like right you know we're turning it off (laughs) and and I love it so even if if it's even too much for me sometimes you know that just shows that I'm sure a lot of people are kind of the same feeling the same in the same boat brilliant so have you anything coming up now or is this just your day to day just changes all the time doesn't it yeah well it's funny and that like I that's why I'm always half like have one eye on my phone because you know kind of the good bit and the hard bit of this job is that you know if if somebody rings me now and says this company has gone into administration I would have to just go straight there and yeah. you know and that is exciting but it is it does bring challenges so I try to plan stories but they sometimes then just fall by the wayside depending yeah. on breaking news so okay. I mean yeah so I'm I'm just kind of dealing with the, <laughs> the constant news cycle is it, is it but I suppose I mean like something that we are all kind of working towards is the fact that it's kind of a year in lockdown now so I'm yeah. trying to go back to a few businesses that I spoke to maybe this time last year over the last 12 months and say you know how are you feeling because yeah. at that time none of us thought it would last this long do you no. know so um I think that that's probably had a big impact like not just an economic one but even just kind of like a mental health impact yeah. as well yeah well thank you it's been lovely to have you on and to not hear just a little bit about you uh and also your professionalism and everything it's been great so I really appreciate your all the value you've brought to the podcast um, and I wish you all the best with your next news story, whatever that may be, and hopefully your <laughs> microphone will blow away. Um, but thank you, everybody, for watching and for listening. And thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, I would really appreciate some feedback or for you to hit subscribe so that you get all the content every week in your inbox. And if you would like to check out my website, it's alihart.com, especially if you were thinking about uh, needing some mentoring sessions because I have openings coming up in the summer. Thanks for watching and listening, and I will see you on the other side.